Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome back to Be Real. Hey, Diana, how are you doing today? Girl, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm going to lie. I'm just going <laughs> to hop right in and let you know that it is, today is not the day. I'm doing the best I can. It is, oof. I think I'm it's not. rough because both of us are struggling today. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what it, what it is about today. So this week, mm-hmm. I had extra meetings. There was that. Mm-hmm. We went to the office. Yes. We, have, we fortunately got to spend more time together after the office. Yes, we did. Thinking we were grownups out mm-hmm. at night on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday night. Yeah, girl. What time did we get home? I got home about midnight. I went yeah, right to exactly. sleep. Exactly. So right, right there, to sleep. Right to sleep. <laughs> but right there is the issue. Who sees? We're, I'm, I'm too old for midnight. And then I had a full day yesterday. Okay. And then... You know, we've been talking back and forth about buying the car. So somewhere in there, I sold my car and now Mm -hmm. I'm buying a new car. And that purchase is so stressful. Then I lost my sunglasses. Yes. With the prescription in them. With the prescription. Not just any sunglasses, right? Okay. No. So that was the thing. And then all the things. Then up this morning, doing it again. And I'm, I, I just don't know if I've decompressed or had any time to decompress, which maybe I haven't. But so start I, today. I think the question is, what does it feel like to have to always be on or have to show up all the time, right? Because it's like a seven day a week thing, right? Like the two of us are kind of always working, right? Like <laughs> sometimes I'm passively working, but I'm still working, right? right? Like I'll have a meeting on Saturday. I'll have a meeting on Sunday. And so it's just like, For the people who are listening, I'm pretty sure that, you know, their lives look like that too. Like, what is it like to always be on and showing up? And I got to tell you, I'm tired. And I think a lot of us are just tired of having to show up. Like, literally, I'm beat down. (laughs) I, I, I am. And I think that is interesting because we've had to show up on Zoom calls, right? Which in some ways we can do a better job of hiding right? Like what's going on? Because we could actually turn our cameras off if we want to, right? Like we can do all of that. But with the world opening back up, I have to be on again, right? Because now I also have to be on socially. That's another on. (laughs) Well, there's so many. um, And like really putting, and I I, I mean, what am I commuting one day a week, right? Just Mm -hmm. like 
to go slow and like get it in there. And like, also I've started to see people in person. So that's right. a, di- it's a whole different experience seeing people in person than it is over zoom on the phone. It's just, I don't, there's no way to prepare yourself for it. You just mm-hmm. have to do it. But I didn't expect to be so like, and tired is not the right word. I don't know what the word is. I but think it's, not it's more like exhausted or like a drained. I think drained. for me, it's just a bit drained, right? Like I'm just, my tank is not full, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm, I'm kind of on a fourth of a tank right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> close to E. And um, trying to figure out what do I do with that? And how do people, how will people experience me? right? When I'm not completely on, when they're used to me being on all the time. I had a client tell me one day, like, you were different. Like, you just, like, what was wrong? Like, I I don't get it. And and it was just like, I just was having a day. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't pretend. Like, I was not in a space to pretend. And I think that that's going to be interesting. Are we going to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and not pretend? And just tell people straight up, no, I'm having a rough day. So here I am. Yeah. I mean, we may have to at some level and also like really also pay attention to how, how we overextended ourselves during the time at home because we could, because it was like the lines got blurred from work. And, and I've heard this a lot. It's not, I mean, I've read articles about it in the times and been following it around. I didn't just make it up, but like the lines got blurred between work and home and like downtime and work time. And then there is that built-in time where you commute that is your downtime, but it's also exhausting. So like what, how we manage that. And then when we're looking at our self-care routine and how we're prioritizing ourselves that we're like putting back in time for ourselves to like slow down and be in tune with what we really need. And I think that, I know I can speak for myself this week that I like, I stuck things in different places and like, even I think like even in the losing of the sunglasses, which yes, I'm furious that I lost my sunglasses because they're prescription sunglasses, but there's something about that unconsciousness of putting, not, not having any idea what I did with them and literally went from the car dealer desk to the car to test drive it. Like it makes like, there's something about like not being present is what I'm saying. Like, because I didn't have the bandwidth to be present. Like I could have put off and gone today instead, but it was the thing. I'm going to say like, how do we start to prioritize rest? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I think that's important. So again, when you're working from home, everything is going on here, but a lot of times resting is not a part of it for some weird reason. And also for me, I want to start to prioritize play just because I'm, a, I'm an adult doesn't mean that I shouldn't have some play and some fun Uh in my life. And so I think that that's going to help me kind of break up this feeling of having to always be on. Yeah. You said that in a few episodes ago, you're going to be playing in the park. I like that idea. I think we need it. I, I, I really do. And as a New Yorker, I really think like feel so stressful all the time. Everything is in overdrive. Yeah. So I, I want to learn how to prioritize resting and, and play, play, right, okay. and, and see if that is going to help me. But um, yeah, I am thinking more about what is it like to have to um, be on again socially, as well as for work and all the other things as a sister, as an aunt, you know, all the roles that I play. Yeah. How to show up. 
Yes, how to show up and when it's okay to just let people know. <laughs> right, that I, I can't. I, I, this, is, this is all you're going to get. This is all you're going to get today. It's not personal. Like, nope, <laughs> it is not personal. This is, this, is, this is just it. And in the infamous words of my friend Regina's grandmother, it's not that bad. It's just that way. And this is all you're going to get today. <laughs> so let's segue into today's guest because today's guest, she's going to talk to us a little bit about money and the emotional connection to money. She's a money coach. Do you want to introduce her? Because there's something about showing up and money <laughs> that do get tied hand in hand for sure. Yes. Uh, so we have Vivi Shank who is a money emotions manager and a money coach. So she helps millennials get unstuck with money. She teaches them how to have a healthy relationship with it. And she equips them with the financial knowledge so they can build long lasting wealth. So I'm all for it because I know that money can be very taboo in our society and also can bring about a lot of emotions to the surface. So um, can't wait to talk to her. Diana, do your thing. Okay, that's right. It's my turn. I'm like, wait a second, what's my thing? <laughs> okay, so everybody sit back, grab your tea, and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Welcome back to Be Real. Is my co-host Diana in the house today? She's here. She's switching gears and she's showing up. But I'm here. I'm here. 100%. Friday morning, right here, hanging out with you. We are excited today because we are talking about something that I would consider sometimes a taboo in our society. We're talking about money. So we are super excited to have Vivi Shank. She is a money emotions manager, which I love. So she's going to tell us all about how she came up with that. Vivi, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you, Nisha. My name is Vivi Shank. I am a money emotions manager, speaker, and coach, and I help millennials. I teach them how to have a healthy relationship with their money so that they can build lasting and sustainable wealth. I love that. But I I have to tell you, I'm a little disappointed that you're only working with millennials. I'm not a millennial. (laughs) And I still need help. Diana's not a millennial, and I'm pretty sure she still needs help as well. (laughs) Oh, I am far from a millennial, as we'll talk about. But I might, sometimes I might feel like a millennial when it comes to money, but 
I'm, I'm in. I want to hear all about it. And how did you start? Well, how did you decide to work with millennials? Honestly, it's because of my own experience. And just looking back, I wish I knew what I know now when I was younger. And I just have this heart of not wanting others to make the same mistakes that I did. And that's why I cater to, even though I say millennials, I do have a special place in my heart for younger people because that's the time when I struggled. I mean, it is a time, right? Where you're first starting to make money and try to figure out like you're paying bills, saving it, like FSA, IRA, like you don't like all these acronyms come at you and you're expected to have all the information. Tell us the journey. Tell us a little bit. Like we, we know that it, like, but here we are. Tell, give us the journey. Yeah. So my journey with money started as a young professional and without realizing it because I, these things are not taught in school. And sometimes even in our families growing up in our environments, we don't necessarily talk about money because it's considered such a taboo topic. And because of this, I had no knowledge. I really didn't know the difference between a credit card and a debit card. And I racked up credit card debt and got myself into collections almost at the age of 25 or so. And the financial stress that cost me, it started influencing every other, every other area of my life and everything else started falling apart all around me to the point that I alienated all of my friends with my business. I fell into depression, so my business started crumbling apart too. And the rock bottom point for me was one, when I found myself without a single dollar in my pocket and I had to ask the bus lady if she could take me for free because I was penniless. Thankfully she did and I arrived home safely. And two, when just my depression and how I was dealing with things and just the overwhelm of emotions, it, it led my then fiance to break up with me. So that was the last relationship that I was trying to hold on to. And I really felt like my life, I lost everything I had in life. From that rock bottom position, I figured out how to get myself back up. I, figured, I, I decided to learn. I can't control my relationships because it involves other people. But something that I can control is how I deal with the money. And as I started healing that area, that also produced healing in the other areas of my life. And that's why I am a money emotions manager, because I know all of the spending, all of the neglect of my finances, it was all rooted in emotions. In this case, there were the wrong emotions surrounding money. So that's kind of how it started. You know, I think it's interesting that we look at what messages that did we receive around money, you know, in our formative years. Like when we look back at our family and I look back at my family and I think about I don't know if I was really taught how to save. Mm -hmm. Well, I did see a lot of spending going mm -hmm. on. And I think from there, you know, once I got a job, I, I knew how to spend like really well, but yeah. I didn't really know how to save because I was never taught that. And when I looked around my family, no one ever talked about saving. I don't, I'm not, not to say that people weren't saving, but it wasn't much of a conversation. It felt like you can make money and then you'll just make more. Mm -hmm. And so in my head, I was like, I'll just make more. Like, I just continue to make more. And um, when you talk about emotions, I think I remember being a bit of um, a shopper at one point, right? Like, it was just like, okay, what am I doing with my day off? 
I'm going to go spend money on shop clothes, like whatever it is that I want it. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's the emotions that comes with it. Right. Like it made me feel good. I remember that like spending and buying things made me feel good. And then I would feel guilty. Right. So then the guilt and the shame kind of comes out in the end when you decide to spend too much. And then there's the consequences of that. So you talk a lot about on your journey, right? Like realizing the consequences later on and how it led you to, you know, break up your relationship. You know what I mean? Just kind of not have the things that you need. It's interesting how when you hit that space, the change starts to happen. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I really believe that we don't have to hit that space for change to happen or for us to to make a decision of improving our lives. Mm-hmm. I really believe that in a way you will pay a price, whether it's the price of regret or just the price of discipline. You will have to work hard regardless. So choose what kind of hard work you want to apply. And that's, I am encouraging people to apply, you know, the hard work of not having to hit rock bottom, but yes, you will need to make a sacrifice. Know that this sacrifice that you will be making is actually what you want. It will help you get the things that you are longing for. It will take hard work, but it will get you there. And I wanted to add to what you said of being taught to save or not being taught to save. Mm -hmm. It's funny because my parents did did teach me how to save. I remember my dad told me, save 10 to 20% of your income. And I'm a rule follower. So I'm like, okay. And I saved my 10 to 20% every month. And then I had like a a, a nice stack of cash just saved there in, in the bank. But then it's like, okay, now what? what am I supposed to do with my savings? Let me, let me pay for a Euro trip. I guess I'll just spend it all. So even though I could save, all I knew, like you said, what I was able to save was to just spend it. I didn't know what you're supposed to do with money. And I know, I know many of us, we, we have no clue what we're supposed to do. Thank you so much for sharing that because my parents also taught me how to save. I, and it wasn't until I was much older, as we've already mentioned, I am not a millennial, that I actually heeded that rule or that uh, lesson. Mm-hmm. But I did want to talk about, because credit cards are like magic when you're young, right? Yeah. Like when you're like 20, you're like, oh my God, whoosh, I can get what it, like, and they're invisible, but they are not invisible because like the stress of that, like when it starts to build up and like I could hear it while you were telling your story, like, that happened to me that I was like, oh, it's magic. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, no, that number's not magic. How am I going to get rid of that? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like? So how do you teach? I mean, what is that like? Like, cause it's millennials are young and they're, it's like, where are you in the learning, in the, your emotional development around spending and using a credit card and what that looks like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So something that I've learned is that our generation, we are very emotionally driven. We, 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 yeah, we have a lot of feelings. <laughs> um, and so the thing is, you know, we can have good feelings, we can have bad feelings. And sometimes we don't even know we're experiencing wrong emotions. So for example, you can reach two different ends of the spectrum. Money, for example, produces you anxiety. Uh, you don't, it's something that you don't like talking about. Maybe growing up, the, the subject of money was always stress or lack. And for some reason, you have this negative associations with money. And so because it produces you anxiety, maybe fear, maybe even disgust, you end up neglecting your finances. And by neglecting your finances, you kind of fall in what I fell, which is 
just spending without knowing the consequences of what am I truly signing up for when I'm swiping my credit card? That can be one avenue that leads you to this problem. The other avenue is when you care too much about money, right? I think in this generation with social media, with just the media in general, we can easily reach the conclusion that money equals success. So we want more money or we want more of what money can get us. We try to chase money or we try to chase material possessions. We try to acquire more. We associate money with happiness. Let me buy some more things so that I can feel better, right? This common retail therapy that sometimes we, we jokingly talk about, but it can also be dangerous. And the thing is, we're trying to feel better by putting a Band-Aid on it, by just swiping your card, buying something, because it's just easy money that you can access. But then, like Anisha shared, then you end up with this feeling of, of regret, of guilt, of shame, right? Oh man, I should not have done this. And that can also lead into this vicious cycle of, okay, I feel guilty. How can I feel better? <laughs> a couple of days passed. Let me go shopping again because that did help me feel better. And so you'll go into this vicious cycle. So that's another way as well that you can end up you know, racking up credit card debt without really thinking about it. So those are the two things that, that in my opinion, are the biggest triggers. With your work with the millennials, is it a lot of conversation around instant gratification and them kind of having an understanding of that? what that's like for them. Yes. And uh, what, I, what I do like to, to teach people is that, is this phrase that I learned uh, throughout my journey, which is from Zig Ziglar, that says, the chief cause of failure and unhappiness is trading what you want most for what you want right now. Mm, I like that. Ooh, so I like good. that. It changed my life. <laughs> it changed my life because it can be applied to every single area of your life as well as in your finances. And sometimes, you know, especially as maybe young professionals, we're full of dreams, full of hopes, full of this life that we want to build. And unfortunately, because of trading, you know, because of the temptations of the instant gratification of everything every flashy thing that is around us, we end up trading what we want most for what we want right now. And so it's just bringing this awareness. Make sure whenever you're making a purchase, you know, is this term called cost of opportunity, right? So if you put money, for example, towards saving, you might missing out on the opportunity of buying a cute outfit this month, right? But if you, if you buy this cute outfit this month, you might be missing out on the opportunity of maybe saving for the down payment of your dream condo that you really want. You know, so just having this awareness can take away a lot of this guilt because you're making a sound decision. It's like, okay, here are two things that I want. Let me pick. Then you make that choice and you can learn to be okay with that choice because you know what you're giving up and it's your decision. I love how you're identifying that each one is a choice and that no matter what you choose, you're going to go without one and then which one in the end really is going to be the most fulfilling, the cute outfit or the house, right? Right. Like, so, and how to, I mean, Anisha and I teach people how to sit with their feelings all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So like really how to sit with that feeling once you've made the decision, like, and it's like, well, well, maybe something I have in my closet is already cute. 
and I have mm-hmm. to wear the same dress twice. Like I learned that lesson eventually right. that you have to wear the same dress twice. Took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that would totally took me a minute. I was like, oh, I can wear this dress to another <laughs> event because the same people aren't going to be there. Like that was a, that was a learning moment for me. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. That's when I of- think about this, it's just like in your twenties, are you thinking about am I willing to sacrifice? Like, does that word even come into mind and you're like, sacrifice? I don't, I don't want to sacrifice anything. Like, I want everything. I want to do it all. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is such a good time to talk with people about this in that kind of age range, that those tw- the 20s, because that's when, if you start that nest egg then, you would probably really be able to retire, you know, at a good age. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us don't start the nest age at, at egg at that point because we're not willing to sacrifice yet. Like sacrifice is just not even a word in our vocabulary in your 20s for some people, Mm -hmm. not for all, but for some people. And so in the work that you do with them, is it talking about like, you might have to sacrifice the cute outfit, you might have to sacrifice the trip to Miami or whatever, you know, with your friends in order to save for the future. And is is it hard for people to see like future, like to look to, to be future oriented? You know, like you said, like you, you save that money and it's in the savings account and it's just sitting there and you're like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. It's just like, the, I, I want to do something with it. It's just sitting there. It's like a shiny new toy. Yes. <laughs> well, um, something that we work a lot is in, in uh, vision and talking about the importance of having a vision. Many of us don't necessarily have a clear picture of what we want for our lives. We just know we want to be happy. You know, we want to be successful. Okay. But what does success mean to you? What would make you happy? Let's start detailing. Let's start painting a picture of what that really looks like to you. And with that, we can create goals. You know, how much, how much does your dream life cost? Okay. Is it possible for you to, to build that? We can crunch some numbers and realize with a specific investment amount and with the power of compound interest, it is actually achievable. There's this phrase I'm full of phrases. <laughs> There's this phrase that a mentor taught me that meant that said, a confused mind cannot move forward. And many times we have goals, but we're just confused. We have no clue how we're going to get there. Strategy brings clarity and clarity brings confidence, right? And so from that confidence, you can move with excitement, honestly, towards those goals. And another thing is that I do find it really, really important that when we are working on creating a spending plan, because that's, that's what we, that's the vehicle to reach these goals. We make sure that we include things that matter to the client that excites them and that it's for now. It's not just a long-term goal. It's very important to include those short-term goals, to include that permission to enjoy your life today because it is very important. You need to enjoy the journey because if you don't, it's not going to be sustainable. You're going to give up and you won't achieve those goals that you were really dreaming of. I wish I had met you when I was 25. Um Well, it's funny because when you think about, like, if I think about my life now and I think about the vision I had for my life, I was Mm -hmm. like, I never, I never would have envisioned what, what is happening, but a lot of what has happened along the way in how to manage and organize and um, have clarity around money has been so, I mean, it's been, it has been the obstacle the whole time, Mm -hmm. right? Like how to you want, you want the thing, but how to like be patient enough to get the thing 
and I was just thinking, well, and also too, I was thinking about like somebody had, had asked me, a mentor, uh, what my first experience about money was. I have been working forever and, but I remember like I had a checking account when I was 12, 13 or something. I didn't, <laughs> I just, I still, like, I could never figure it out. Like it was like a, that, just like this conversation and at the, like, my siblings understood it. Like we have a, like, but like that conversation between me and my mom who was teaching financial accounting at the time, let's <laughs> be very clear. Like this was, it wasn't like she did like, and she had such a, such a good, she has a very good relationship with money. She worked, she, and it's so different. Like how, I, like where I, like what I wanted and like how I envisioned money would just like magically show up. And then I realized, Oh yeah, no, no, no. But my vision was always that it would just be there. And I was like, Oh, you have to actually like, man, like you have to manage it. You have to like, you have to have a relationship with the money is what I'm trying to say is like really like be respectful of it in a way that like I didn't think about. And I remember having that thought when I was, older than millennial, but like that, if you respect the money, it starts to work for you. Like if you put the money in the direction that it needs to go and like put it towards the things that are in your vision, mm -hmm. then it starts to accumulate in a way. I like to say that if you take care of your money, your money will take care of you. So it's a mutual, it's a mutual relationship. And as well, just as we work for money, our money mm -hmm. can also work for us. So we also dive into the importance of investing so that it's also a mutual relationship. It's a give and take. It's both ways. And that's why I love uh, to describe it as a relationship because it almost feels relational when you see it from that perspective. Oh, it's definitely a relationship. And we're going to take that opportunity to take a quick break because I want to talk more about how you work with your, your clients. So we're going to take a break right here. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we're back. Vivi, could you um, tell us what it, what as a client of yours, what would, what would we expect? Yes. So there's two different ways that you can work with me. I have available a 90 minute consultation where I give the client a financial assessment so that we can understand where they're standing right now with their finances. 
We also talk about their goals. And from there, we can establish a strategy for them to reach those goals. This is very strategic, very hands-on, let's go take action, because it's just a one-time consultation. And the other way that you can work with me is through my coaching program that is called DRIVE. Through that coaching program, we go through my signature system, which is Conquer Your Spending. And we do both dig into the emotional side of your relationship with money. We dig a little bit into your past, into your experiences with money. And we also dive into some of the goals that would get you excited and vision casting, right? So we do that in the emotional side. And just like with the 90-minute consultation, we also go through a strategy and make sure that we align your spending with the things that you value and with the goals that you have for your life. This is a 90-day program with bi-weekly coaching. And the coaching is one-on-one, and it's also accompanied by some pre-recorded sessions that you can have access to just to help you through the, through the weeks that we're not meeting one-on-one through via Zoom. I love how that is laid out. I have done multiple courses on money to try to like figure out my own relationship with it. And I'm, as you're talking, I can feel my own, like, I remember the first time I had the conversation, like I was so embarrassed. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that you see that as well. Uh, how, when, because it's so emotional, how do you get through that like initial fear? I felt like there was a lot of fear, like I was going to be judged or like I was supposed to know something that I didn't know. What is, what is that initial part like? Because I'm imagining I can't be the only person that had that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, it's just bring the awareness that we all struggle with money and we all have struggled with money at one point in our lives and just make the person understand that it's okay. We've all done it. Probably more people than you know are having these problems. They're just not talking about it. And so just knowing that you're not alone, I think is really helpful. And I didn't necessarily ask for it, but just the fact that in my own eyes, I've also failed with money. I think it brings this openness or this opens this window of like, hey, I've been there too. It's okay. And I was able to turn it around. And if I was able to turn it around, you can too. And so I think that not purposefully, I share the message like, hey, we're kind of in this together. It, 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 it brings, it opens this trust to just let's, let's, let's talk about it. It's okay. Yeah. So it is very comforting like that you, you can see that your own, you, you can use yourself as your own success story that like you can overcome that it, this, it, this, it's like a bad, I mean, it is a bad relationship, right? Like you have a bad relationship and then like you can have a good relationship. It's like all relationships that we have, like it can start off really bad, but then all of a sudden you dump that guy and you get a new one and you're like, oh, this is better. It's like, oh, we're going to get rid of this credit card and this credit card debt. And then we're going to like have a new relationship over here and things are going to be better. Exactly. No, I was going to ask if you can tell us a couple of topics that you discuss in the 90 day program with your clients. Yeah, uh, like I shared, one of the biggest ones is, well, at least in my opinion, and that, I, that I've realized that many of my clients have not thought of is vision casting and just start thinking about the future and start putting numbers 
and start being specific about the things that you want in life. I think many times we are going in circles and we don't know why. And it's usually because we don't know where we're going. Mm. And so establishing that end goal and being clear about it, it really helps. And so I really dive into that. Another thing that we also work on, like I mentioned as well, besides Diving into your past and your experiences with money that might have given you a negative association with money. Besides that, we also try to start seeing money as an ally. And because of this, I help my client identify what are their core values, what are the things that matter to them, not to society, not to culture, not to their parents or their friends, but what are the things that matter to them? So we do go through a value assessment, a core value assessment. And based on that, we make sure that their spending aligns with that so that they can enjoy their journey. So that's kind of in the, the emotional side. And in the strategic side, we, we work on strategy to save more money, to set up your financial foundations, pay off debt, start saving towards retirement, and also start thinking of investment avenues to build wealth. So you help with financial planning as far as like, you know, stocks and things like that. Is that part of your forte? Or no, no? Okay. no, I usually, I usually guide them. I, depending on their goals and how do they see themselves as an investor, whether mm-hmm. they want to be active or passive, I might refer them to a financial advisor. I might refer them to maybe another coach that teaches on stock investment or in real estate investment, since that's not something that I teach. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. I love that it's laid out in, you know, 90 days. I think three months is a good time to say, hey, this is important to me and I'm going to focus on it and I'm going to take this time out and I'm going to meet with you and I'm probably sure that there's homework that people are doing in between the sessions. So it continues to be on your mind, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I started with you like during the summer, you know, it would help someone kind of just really figure out like, okay, yes, it's summer. The world is opening back up. I want to be out and I want to go to happy hour and I want to do all of these things. But, you know, I do also need to focus on saving and budgeting and figuring out what is what are my goals, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just to kind of have a good time over the summer. Yeah. I mean, you still can. You still can. <laughs> just be creative uh, and figure out ways that you can do what you love for less. Oh, and that to Anisha's point, as we're opening back up, I mean, some of the things that were um, beneficial about being working at home is that you definitely spent less money during the day. And like now that, um, and I'm speaking just for myself on the days that I go out of the house to go to work, I've already noticed that like, oh, subway, to- subway token. Oh, I'm running late. I need to take that I need to take a car to get to the train station. Oh, I'm going to buy lunch now. Like it starts to build up and then old habits come back that maybe I might not want to come back. Right. So like this would be a really good time to have that structure (laughs) around like organizing your money because things are very different again. Yes. Structure helps so much. And honestly, uh, some of the reactions that I've had working with other people is that once we lay it down, their reaction is, Oh, this is easier than I thought. <laughs> you know, sometimes it seems overwhelming just because we, we don't know how to do it. But once you know, it, it doesn't have to be that overwhelming. It doesn't have to be that stressful either. 
the, to in taking the overwhelm out, like it, having that accountability partner, like with you so that you're saying like, organize, organizing when you pay your bills, looking at what the cash coming in, looking at the cash going out. I mean, that's a, that's a gift in itself because it's like a whole job to run your life. And I think we don't, we don't really get that message that running your life financially is an actual job in your, in your day-to-day life. It's like, it'll just happen, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you need help. Yeah. I think yes. that, you know, we're, we're learning that um, we need a whole team as a person to really kind of get us through, right? <laughs> like some people need a nutritionist, then they need a therapist, then they need a, you know, a coach for money, right? And it's okay to ask for help mm-hmm. because life is hard, right? And to be able to juggle all of these things at the same time can be really, really difficult. And we should mm-hmm. realize that it's okay to ask for help. There are people like you that are out there that can simplify things for us, give us the structure that we need and kind of get us on the right path. And you can start that when you're young. Yeah. Yes. Something that I wanted to add also is something that we've experienced when we were starting our financial journey is sometimes it's just so helpful to have someone that can tell you, it's okay, you can spend money on that. Because <laughs> when we're trying to get things together, right, when we're trying to, okay, let me, let me get out of this mess, if you feel you're in a mess, sometimes we're very hard on ourselves too. And we're trying to do things perfectly. And maybe we go to the, to the extreme of being too restrictive and just having someone that can tell you it's fine to spend money and that. Sometimes we need someone to tell us, to like somehow give us that permission. I remember that that's how I felt, you know, oh, I can do this. Okay, cool. And just that, that guilt, that shame leaving your body, so to speak, it can be so healing and it can also help you with your financial journey like oh okay this doesn't feel bad let me continue i want to learn more i want to keep moving forward because i actually feel good now if after you people are with you for three months do they come back for a follow-up at all i i haven't had that i haven't had that i actually reached out to a client recently asking how he was doing and he was doing great Cause, cause it's like no follow up. Okay. I guess I think that's a good sign though. <laughs> I think that's a great sign. <laughs> I mean, that's, those are really tangible takeaway tools, right? Like mm-hmm. if you've given, you've given people something that they're really, they're able to continue to use over and over again. That's great. I love that. What are you thinking, Anisha? I'm thinking, do you have any tools that you can give to our listeners maybe to kind of help them, you know, get on the right foot on this journey of, um, a healthy relationship with money. Yeah, so I, I have a budgeting tool on my website. It's actually the very first budget tool that I used. I made it myself when I was feeling extremely overwhelmed with money. I had no clue what I was supposed to do. And so I created this spreadsheet. And when I started working with clients, actually, I was giving them the spreadsheet that I, that I use now, which is a more elaborate budget spending plan spreadsheet. But I realized that a lot of people were getting overwhelmed by it. I just thought, let me go back to the beginning. How did I start my journey? I started with a budget that only had four categories, and that's it. And so that's the, that's the tool that I have available. If you want to start organizing your finances, you can, you can definitely check out that tool. So we'll make sure we add it to the show notes. And Vivi, do you want to tell our listeners what is your website so they can definitely get on and um, check out that tool? 
Yes, you can go to my website. That's vivishank.com, V-I-V-I-S-C-H-E-N-K, vivishank.com. You can scroll down all the way to free resources. I have a couple more resources there as well that you can check out, but the budgeting tool is definitely my favorite. And one last question, in your opinion, Vivi, what does it mean to be financially healthy? Yeah, in my opinion, being financially healthy is finding balance, finding balance. Financial health is not about being restrictive, but it isn't about being careless. It's that sweet midpoint. You can enjoy your life. You're allowed to enjoy your life, but you deserve to take care of yourself. Practice self-care. That includes your finances. and financial self-care the cool thing about that is that is it's very it's very strategic it's very do this this and that once you do this this and that you're good and besides balance it's also a lifestyle so don't look at financial health like an end goal it's a lifestyle it's something that grows with you so learning to have this relationship this healthy relationship with money taking care of your money so your money takes care of you. How can I take better care of my money? And as I take better care of my money, my money takes even better care of me too. So just, just having that mindset and moving forward step by step, taking it one day at a time. Amazing. I love that. All the things, taking care of you. It feels very, the balance feels very um, empowering to me. I like it. Vivi, we have come to the end, but we're not quite done because Ignisha has two questions for you. It's our last hurrah. Nothing to do with money. Nope. And I, and I have a whole bunch of uh, construction going on in the background. So I'm just going to get this out really quick. <laughs> oh, we can't hear the construction. Okay. Good. So my first question is, if you were asked to be on a reality show, what kind of reality show would it be? Oh, if I was <laughs> asked to be America's Next Top Model. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, girl. I, I love kidding. it. Yes. <laughs> What I actually thought was <laughs> okay. I'll just leave it there then. <laughs> I love it. So, Vivi, the next question is: If you could only eat one food, like for the rest of your life, what food would that be? Oh my one gosh, thing. pizza! <laughs> oh, another one. I love it. I love, I love it. it. I love as it. a I New Yorker, it. that would be my answer as well. <laughs> pizza. I could eat it for breakfast, lunch, lunch dinner, dinner, whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Vivi. I re we all, we both really appreciate it. And one more time, we have your website. Instagram is what? Also Vivi Shank. Oh, so all the places, Vivi Shank, Facebook, yep. YouTube, LinkedIn. We can Correct. find you all of that. Okay. We'll make Vivi sure that's Shank. all in the show notes with a link to uh, your website so that they can download the budget tool. And I might, I'm going to go download that budget tool myself. <laughs> <laughs> probably going to be what I do this afternoon. And um, thank you so much. And Anisha. So how are we ending the show? We still have to know. figure that out, but we want people to continue to stay safe. And please continue to wash your, wash hands. your hands. Like we needed a pandemic to tell people to wash their hands. So wash your hands and give people the space that they need on the street. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I need six feet, but I definitely need more than one. I, people are very, very close again. Yeah, yeah. I need a little bit more, more space between. Me Read the room. Read the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, and we're gonna stop here. See you next week. See you next week.
Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.